0: Welcome to Serial Culture, a show about discovering the world one voice at a time. Each week, people of different cultural backgrounds and languages will tell their stories here for you. I'm Laurie Martinez, and I'll be your host. This week, Strange Pilgrims. For this final episode of Season 1, I wanted to feature some projects that highlight some of the best and worst parts about making the move to live somewhere new. This episode features David Carillo, Mexican-American and creator of the Intermediate French web series and the podcast, *Mihes Away, and Jun Chua, Berlin-based Canadian journalist and host of the podcast, Empire of Dreams. I met David through a Facebook group for creatives in the City of Lights. His web series, Intermediate French, stars himself as a young man navigating Paris as a first-generation Mexican-American. As he walks the streets of Paris, listening to mariachi music, I felt a kinship with his experience. I chatted with David about the guilt that comes with leaving, knowing that your parents once did too, and how language plays such a unique role for us as Latin abroad. Here's David.
1: Uh, my name is David Garrido, and I am from uh, the Bay Area. Been living in San Francisco for the past ten years, and been living in Paris since September.
0: What culture do you identify with?
1: I am Mexican-American.
0: How long have you been in Paris?
1: So since September, so it's, uh, it's seven months now. I think like exactly seven months at this point.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about what you do as a producer, the kinds of stories that you tell.
1: Right now, well, I guess I kind of can kind of go back. I was doing um, production work for um, nonprofit and higher ed in San Francisco for the past uh, five years. And I kind of just picked up and packed my bags, moved, uh, with the intention of becoming an artist in Paris, (laughs) as cliche as it is. Um, But really with the interest of um, kind of showing different perspectives in film. I'm a filmmaker and um, showing specifically gay men of color. In, uh, in film, in um, online digital content. I just feel, you know, as a gay man of color myself, that it's um, not a market, but it's it's a population of people that is, you It's know, a narrative that's not been told. Exactly. The, the stories are kind of muted. It's a very homogenous story when we're talking about gay men, at least in mainstream media.
0: Can you tell me a little bit about Intermediate French?
1: Yeah. So Intermediate French is a web series that I'm producing right now. I came to Paris with the intention of doing a documentary series of gay men of color. And it uh, proved a little more difficult to produce, (laughs) being brand new in a different community, acclimating, not really having a community or a network here. And um, so I started, I just flipped the camera and I started, you know, filming myself and kind of creating these little narratives of my perspective as a gay man of color in, in Paris, kind of a fish out of water story.
0: So what what's that like? Was there something that, I don't know, an experience that made you turn that, flip that camera?
1: Not really, actually. I think it was, we, we tried to, um, I was working with a, a friend on trying to produce this documentary series and we interviewed someone who was a potential candidate. And I think um, just realizing that The stories that um, I was trying to tell, I was projecting on other people and that really I needed to speak first. I kind of I felt like I needed to tell my story before I can start exploring others, Um, as narcissistic as that sounds. But um, yeah, I think um, so since since I've been producing this, I feel like I've been telling my sister, I feel like I'm singing, like I feel like I'm actually I'm um, showing um a lot of myself that some of my friends even in in the bay Area, haven't seen before
0: what are what is what episode are you most proud of? Uh,
1: the second one <laughs> The second one kind of introduces the fact that i am i'm latino mexican American. You know, realizing that I miss this culture that I have a weird relationship with when you come to a new country, you are kind of um, forced to identify. Uh, in a very simple sort of way as, you know, I'm American or I'm Mexican-American or I'm this and I'm that. And um, it's kind of a narrative that shows that I'm still coming to terms with who I am as a Latino, even though I'm promoting myself here as, you know, I'm Latino, I'm Mexican-American. And, you know, I don't speak Spanish uh, fluently or I don't have the same experiences that, um, you know, other people might have who also identify as mexican-american or latino um so yeah i think it's kind of you know it's all about nuance showing a nuanced perspective of what it means to be latino or latina
0: and what's been good or bad about having a dual identity like that in paris specifically
1: how much time we got (laughs) i think being adaptable is something that when you have uh semi-recent immigrant, you know, family members, it's, um, it's something that's just kind of inherited. You, you learn to go with the flow, um, and to be able to change and, you know, make things work. Um, but at the same time, I've found kind of being so malleable almost as a hindrance you know, trying to conform to who I think I should be here in France um, and almost changing too much or not being myself enough or not sticking up for myself enough. Um, yeah, there's a there's a whole list of things. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I was kind of raised, you know, don't make waves, keep your head down. Um, even moving to Paris is something that was not, you know,
0: yeah, it's a, a big jump.
1: Yeah, not in my realm. I wasn't raised to, mm. you know, the world is for you. Go and explore. It was kind of like, be successful, go to school, come back, you know, and hang out with the family. So, yeah, pros and cons. Lots of them.
0: Do you have any specific examples of that or like interactions that you've had with people?
1: <sighs> there, Yeah, a lot. I think um, even just language. I am I have this really interesting relationship with language now. Um I feel, or at least I was feeling really ashamed of not knowing fluent French when I came here. And I think it was this kind of inherited shame that I got um, from my mom because she had to learn English when she came to the States. And... Um, Yeah, I never was told, you know, speak English or I have an accent or any of that, but it's kind of like knowing her perspective, being bullied by teachers and students and peers and kind of just inheriting that, that relationship that she has with language. I kind of feel the same way here. Like I feel so uncomfortable that I can't speak French fluently for some reason. There's this like, you know, whenever I'm speaking English or at least there was a point my first like six months, I would feel guilty. Like, I shouldn't be speaking English right now. Um, And I couldn't say, but I don't think my white peers have that same relationship. Um, But yeah.
0: I think there's like that added layer of minority guilt kind of thing Yeah, I feel like you have to try really hard to fit in to change the way that just, they did. Exactly. And like, I have the same thing with the language. When my mom came to the States, she had to learn English from mm-hmm. scratch, right? And I came to Paris and I had a little trouble at first trying to integrate into French culture. Mm-hmm. I already spoke a little bit of French, so I had this added level, but I was not good enough to be like a native speaker and I was very frustrated with that. Yeah, But like, I speak it well enough to get by, so mm-hmm. my mom... When, whenever I was like, "Oh, I want to give up. Like, this is too hard," yeah. she'd be like, "Well, are you kidding me? I've been here for thirty-five <laughs> years. People make fun of my accent every day. I don't care. Yeah, You're, how can you be so, you know?" And so I felt guilty about, you know, giving up or wanting, not wanting to try harder. And it did push me to 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 learn more and to read, pick up my grammar books and stuff. But totally. like. Yeah, I, I totally understand. Yeah, it,
1: but you build empathy. I have so mm. much more empathy for my mom now.
2: Yeah.
1: Um. I mean, we would as kids, even maybe not so, you know, far away in the, the past, uh, made fun of her accent or do little teases uh, I mean, whenever jokes. she exactly. And it's cute, and she, you know, she doesn't like it. Um. And I can't imagine having that be my life for you know, forty years. where exactly, you work so hard to try to assimilate and be successful but you're never enough you know Mm. you're there's always something giving you away um and so yeah it's weird i've never been farther from my my parents but i feel like in some ways i'm understanding my family a little bit more
0: are there other things like maybe with the food that that you've had
1: oh god yeah (laughs) yeah the mexican food here sucks (laughs) (laughs) it's like the worst
0: spanish food here sucks too but yeah just like generally food that is not from france difficult because of spices that you can't find
1: yeah um they have tacos here that aren't tacos they're like paninis mixed with oh, like, yeah
0: it's called o tacos yeah a blasphemous blasphemous thing
1: it's a cre. it's like i don't know what it is <laughs> uh, and i remember i ordered like one or I, I went to one like taco stand thinking i'm gonna get a little like tacos with my corn tortillas and i asked for three and the guy just wiped out this huge like um, tortilla or what they call wraps here and started going for it and i was like oh god no i don't know what you're making but i just <laughs> want one and it was just this like you know big panini like nacho cheese chorizo thing tasty but not not a taco not what it was no. it's like
0: taco bell
1: kind of thing kind of yeah it was like a <laughs> uh, parisian taco bell yeah totally <laughs>
0: Uh, what are some of the issues that you want to address in your work? And can you give an example of something that you really felt like was definitely not being said before about like being in this dual experience, especially as a Latino abroad?
1: Yeah, I think I'm becoming really obsessed with isolation. Um, I think that, especially in film, because obviously you have to have characters and dynamic plot twists and um, interesting scenarios there's little talk about isolation and this character that I've kind of developed um, is pretty much going to be alone for (laughs) the entire series Um, but kind of talking about that especially in the gay space um, all of my examples of of gay media characters was in relationship to their partner or their boyfriend or their whatever. Um, the common trope of, you know, if like a sitcom or something, someone's brother's gay, it doesn't become an issue until he brings, you know, Fred home and then Blanche from golden girls has a freak out. So um, I, yeah, I almost was feeling like, you know by cuz i've personally have never had a boyfriend too and so i feel like my experience isn't um isn't told i think it's really interesting um and so i felt for a while like i was an illegitimate gay and which is maybe my my next series um but yeah because i didn't have a boyfriend i was just you know i just liked men but i wasn't gay because I was single, um, and so kind of telling that that story of what it's like to be alone romantically, but also you know socially. Um, I think moving abroad is a completely isolating experience. I think I did it at the like the perfect time in my life. Um, had I done it before, I think I would have been on a, a plane home already. Um, but yeah, it's it's exactly what I needed. But yeah, that's what I'm really interested in, kind of talking about and exploring is isolation, and. You know, you can be alone, but the more, and I'm stealing this from my sister, the more you know yourself, the less alone you are, even when you are.
0: Now you're in France, you're Mexican-American. What? How does that affect your storytelling?
1: In every way, I think. It's like in every way and then in, in no ways at all. Because it's almost like um, it's a... It's a careful balance of not doing the whole, let's talk about being a minority now. Um, so, wanting to be able to share my perspective, which is different um, from my white peers, but it's also different from every other Latino. You know, I'm not a, the voice, or any minority in media is not the voice of their, you know, respective culture. They're just a voice. And so, I'm trying to find this balance of being able to share my perspective, um, but also just letting it breathe. And just saying, like, here's my life, and I happen to be Mexican American too. Just N-
0: presenting yourself as a human being, exactly, as opposed to having all these labels attached, while still being able to tell the narrative in exactly. The way that you want. Yeah, it's a tricky, tricky business. It's a
1: fun jung- <laughs> uh, juggle.
0: Um, do you feel like being abroad has changed that view in any way? You know, perspectives that you had before leaving about your identity. We talked about it before, but I really Mm -hmm. do want to hear you say it. I think we talked about how you felt less Latino over there and now you feel more, Oh, you identify more like that here because it's kind of, it's part of who you are, but you never really attached yourself to it when you were in the States.
1: Yeah, it's like now I have to don the mask. Now I have to, maybe the mask is a bad term, but now I have to don, you know, that I have to represent. Um, Yeah, and it's kind of like... uh, it's coming at the same time in my life where I felt like I was suppressing it and hiding it. And now I feel like I'm in this, in the gay community, you can kind of call someone's coming out like a a pink haze. So everything is about being gay when you first come out, right? Um, it's like the world is a completely different world. And I feel like I'm experiencing like a Latino haze. <laughs> <laughs> here. Like everything's about being Latino. Um, like I was listening to like, I don't know, Spotify and there's like a song called like Paris Latino and just like all these little things. that I'm just like, I see like references to Mexico or um, Latin America, just everywhere or Spanish. And yeah, I feel like I'm going through my, my Latin haze or my, my Latino haze. And um, yeah, cause it's, it's almost like there's no, there's no community or at least I don't have one yet of Latinos here. So I have to kind of, um, I don't know, this need to kind of define yourself, which I'm also, again, juggling. Like, do I need to do that? And I think I'm almost kind of like settling down a little bit from that. Um, Yeah, it's like when, when you don an identity, it's like that's all that is to you or that's all that you are for just a bit. And then once you kind of like, once you metabolize it and digest it, it just becomes you and you don't have to talk about it as much or um, you know define yourself so much by a, a label.
0: For me it's also like being t- saying that I'm Latina is like something that I affirm a lot and in the states I didn't as much. I mean yeah. I felt I felt it because I from New York City you're you're surrounded by diversity. It's not a question of having that dialogue but mm-hmm. then you know with all the movements happening in the states right now you kind of want to be able to be like, well, you know, people second generation, first generation Latinos who are, you know, mixed, who are Mexican American, who are Colombian American. Yeah. We're also able to go abroad. We're also doing these really cool exactly. things. Exactly.
1: Yeah. We, we now have, I think our, our generation is starting to see a shift in privilege. We're now becoming um, more widespreadly privileged. And being able to have these experiences. Um, or you know what, who knows? Maybe we were always doing it and it's just not documented in any story. like our stories are not being told ever.
0: Yeah. I think that I think a lot of minority groups feel that yeah. and only now we're talking about oh, okay, so representation in the media and only just a year ago Oscar's so white and all of that. Yeah.
1: That's
0: it's a bit late for that, but mm-hmm. it's happening now. So it's cool to be part of that conversation. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your show that you've decided to start to address this issue?
1: Yeah, so my friend uh, Charisse and I, um, ha- she is someone who I've known I think like almost my entire life. We grew up in Gilroy, California together. Uh, we lived uh, in San Francisco at the same time, and she decided to move to Spain a couple years ago. And she, in I think, inadvertently kind of inspired me to move to to Paris. And when I first got here, I was calling her a lot. And we'd almost have like weekly chats of just like stuff I needed to vent about or stuff that I was really excited about. Um, And she was kind of my, my grounding person being like, Oh my gosh, yes. And I don't think she really had anybody for like the three years that she was here to talk about these sorts of things with either. And so we just kind of bonded on like a whole nother level and the conversations that we were having were so good. And um, I think about a topic that again, we were not hearing as much. So we decided to start a podcast um, and it's called Mijes Away.
0: Why is it called Mijes Away?
1: So, Mijes, uh being, you know, um, coming from mijo, or like, you know, sweetie, dear, uh, my child. Um, but we called it Mijes because... Right now we're seeing at least, and this could change like tomorrow because language is always changing. Um, you know, we have the X to kind of gender. Latinx. Yeah, to gender neutralize um, language. Uh, so like Latinx. Um, and what we're seeing now is that the E is coming out. And the, the X is starting to be used for those who don't identify with either gender. Uh, either gender being female or male, and um, the E just being you know gender neutral. So okay, the so X instead had, of
0: Mijo, it's mije. Exactly.
1: Okay. Um, and again, who knows? It could change or it could just stop. <laughs> but um, we started seeing that trend. Did some research, and we're like, let's call it mijes. because we also wanted to talk about how you know we we come came from a place, San Francisco, that is pretty socially conscious it's not a utopia it's not perfect um but coming to countries that are so um rooted in tradition and at the same time we are kind of having our latino haze or latina haze and so how do we navigate this space of tradition and different ways of thinking and sometimes very regressive ways of thinking um while we are kind of finding our own identities so kind of establishing that we are trying to be as socially conscious as possible um, in the midst of sometimes an environment that is contradictory to that
0: what are some of the topics you talk about?
1: So we're kind of talking about everything, um, you know, Latina, uh, Latina, Latino identity. Um, we talked about guilt and shame um, being a huge thing. Uh, How so?
0: About the language or about everything? I think going away. I, I get the the one that I get is. Uh, well, your parents moved to America so that you could be American. So why why are you you going to France?
1: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Or, you know, why why aren't you spending your money to, to, you know, help the family out more? You know, just all these um, successes that are masked with shame. Mm. And I think that's pretty common in the Latino community. Uh, Mental health, Mm. which is also something that, was never really talked about in my family. And I'm thinking it's not a huge, you know, no. it's like seeing a shrink is like a white person thing, you know, <laughs> but it's like, that's, I've done it. It's so important. Um, well,
0: it's not something that we talk about in the Latin community. That's true. No. It's, like, it's not seen as something that, Happens to us, or yeah, it's like get over it, kind of
1: thing. Exactly, like ah, you know, you know, your grandma moved here; <laughs> she came here with the the shirt off her back.
0: Yeah, they work so hard. Yeah. How are you struggling with you know math tests? Exactly <laughs> with
1: stress. I'll tell you, stress. <laughs> um, and what else? Um, exa- you know, kind of the the social oddities that we're finding in our respective countries, um, our identities huge and then I'm um, also interviewing um other latinas that we are you know finding in our journeys um trying to get not just our voices but other people's voices out there and it's really just a, a goal to share the fact that you know latinas are doing this now
0: yeah i when i found your video i actually i cheered up a little bit uh, intermediate French episode 2 is really Aww. intense because I found myself doing the same thing because I had had exactly the same feeling you listen to spanish music on the metro but you're not you know and you have all these french people around you and, mm-hmm. you're, and you're suddenly back in you know Jackson Heights in Queens yeah. <laughs> and you're and you're back in your your childhood home and it's just a really weird displacement kind of feeling that you get and then you go to the store and you ask for something and you have to kind of switch off. Mm-hmm. I was in, I was, you know, at home in my, in my casa, in my head. And then you go into the store and someone asks you, okay, what are you doing here? <laughs> kind of thing. Um,
1: yeah. It's just, and it's just that juxtaposition yeah. of, you know, being American, but then being American plus something else then living abroad. And it's just, it's a weird space. Yeah. Uh, and so, and I know that other people are going through it. So, yeah, my biggest goal is just to be able to either inspire or, you know, just share my stories so people can identify, just contributing to a very homogenous landscape right now. Yeah,
0: I think it's, it's also really rewarding, I think, to be able to be, you know, speak in, on a subject that hasn't at all really been touched. Hmm. We don't exist. Yeah. First generation Latin Americans don't really have a narrative that's told. You don't imagine that, you know, the girl who maybe was picked for a quota for a university actually yeah. used her financial aid money to go abroad,
1: yeah, exactly. and actually
0: stayed there and like learned the language. You know, that's not something that you imagine happening.
1: It's just survival. I think is our narrative right now, hmm. and they made it. You yeah, know, they made it. It's like, well, but also,
0: and also, we do stuff. Yeah. <laughs> we, made, we made it, and we do stuff, and our parents are proud. And yeah,
1: also,
0: yeah. I, I think it's also good now that the latin community in the u.s is getting so much more attention now we mm-hmm. have way many a lot more shows and not just you know, yeah uh representation is, is huge right now for the latin community and like you have you know me too, me too yeah or, better uh, like better like and all the
1: netflix is doing a great job at showing different uh, yeah. perspectives Definitely. uh one day at a time like there's just there now is a time like if you are an artist if you have um i remember i heard a really great quote from um a university professor who said like in relation to the this is the day after the, the recent presidential election saying you know politics is just one tool you know where are my artists where are my scientists where are my mm-hmm. activists and I, I just feel like that's that's the time right now so you know if you feel a calling to do something to share your voice do it Here's a clip of Mijes Away. I'm David Guerrillo.
3: And I'm Cherise Saavedra. And we are Mijes Away. So lights and velas, because today we're talking about our non-gendered title, Growing Up Whitewashed, and Why We Moved Away. I am looking at someone that you know very well. (laughs) 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 Um, Who? Tell
1: me who. (laughs)
3: So, so, yeah, as I mentioned, you have visited me here in Hikon, and you will remember that uh, I've got my Jesus outside the window. Um, so I've got a great, just, Jesus is monument. It, is it
1: Jesus, or is it Jesus? <laughs> it's a guy named Jesus?
3: It's a, it's a guy named Jesus. Uh-huh. Um, he's, uh, you know, made of all white stone, and he's pointing up to the sky, I believe. Um. <sighs> He looks very tall. Yeah.
1: So, uh, for anyone confused, this is not uh, a friend of Cherise. This is an actual statue. <laughs> <It's>
3: like- <laughs> yeah. So, I I live on the fifth floor, and I have like an, one of those, you know, nice um, rooftop views of um, like a few old buildings and, and and stuff. And then and then I've got Jesus. He's a monument right there, right yeah. smack in the center Ri- of my view, rising s-
1: above the the rooftops.
3: Yes, as he does, Ascending. and I'm sitting ascending and I'm sitting in the middle of my bed like surrounded by pillows which is fab um so pretty cozy are you feeling cozy David
1: I'm super cozy I have a candle going I have like three I have uh, three different uh liquid <laughs> options
3: three uh, different f- shit I'm like really slacking I have no candles not even <laughs> not not a one candle and I just have like some water
1: Oh, uh, come to France you know we, we just know how to live
3: oh uh- <laughs> Um God. but yeah um, so we're
1: doing this from different countries. Yeah. But we we are both mijos or mijas.
3: Yes. So maybe you speak Spanish, maybe you don't, um but you're <laughs> I was probably... like you talking <laughs> to me? I, I do not. <laughs> <laughs> we um we wanted to dive in a little to our title mijas away, mijas away. Um so obviously it comes from mijo which is mijo, sweetie, term of endearment. But why does it have the E, David?
1: Well, as I, like, I fix my glasses. I don't wear glasses. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so from our extensive research, literally, like, a couple Google searches.
3: A couple Googles. Um,
1: there's a lot of conversations about um, very how Spanish is very gendered. I mean, a lot of languages are very gendered. Um, but in Spanish... Some more than others. Some more than others. So, Mijo obviously is, um, or maybe not so obviously, is the gendered uh, form for males, like my son. Right. And then miha is the gendered form for a uh, girl, like my daughter. In the plural, uh, it's wonderful, Mijos. and everything just... If there's one um, masculine or one boy in a group of anything, whether there's, like, 10 girls and one male that group becomes male so it would have the o ending um, right. because it is so disgusting for a man to have to even entertain the idea of being feminine or having an a, right. a at the end of the adjective or having an a at the end of the word that's describing the collective noun like really but things are changing. Yeah,
3: things are changing. And so there's... Um, do you want to talk about the X a little bit, actually, David? I feel like you read a little more about... I mean, you know a little more about the use of the X.
1: I've spent five more minutes on Google. <laughs> I've spent five more minutes on Me Too, is what I've done. So the right. X, I've seen a lot in like a lot of um, Spanish publications, uh, publications about Latinos that is starting to be used as a way to get away from gendering, you know, the Spanish language. So instead of saying, like, mijos for a group of, you know, women and however many men, they would say "mexes," Or I should say, in like, Latinos, it would be Latinexes. So with an X.
3: And the X is now, now sort of being used differently,
1: right? Yeah. Exactly. It's now uh, being used for people who don't identify with either, either gender.
3: Right, which is wonderful.
1: Perfect. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So people who don't identify with either gender can use the X. So if I was someone who um, identified neither with male nor female, I could call myself a X. And so that is a very specific use. What is happening now is that the E is starting to be used for um, just non-gendering.
3: Right. Like hey. inclusive language. There inclusive we go. language. Yes. Latines.
1: That's where the name comes from. And who knows? This I mean language is always changing. So yeah. this might be completely out of date in like a month.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I think I don't know, I think it's the future. Like we have done our research I mean we have done some research on this. <laughs> well. We've books. written books. We've written books. We've done three different Googles. Um, so, no, we've done a, a bit of research on this, and I am, I don't know, I'm positive about the future, and I will be real and say I'm not walking around here in Spain being like, hola, chicas because, you know, that would be, like, the chico, the gender-neutral form of, like, chicos, right? Um, and I, I don't have the confidence to do that as, like, a new like a fresh spanish-speaking person so i think that in this space that we are making with the podcast we want to be inclusive as possible
0: june chua is a canadian journalist whose move from toronto to berlin transformed her vision of identity and culture her podcast empire of dreams addresses topics of immigration and migration in her new home city with the help of radio producer Ponce empire of dreams interweaves interviews soundscapes and music to touch on topics such as multiculturalism migration belonging and everything in between here's a clip of the audio documentary what is home in which june explores her relationship to canada her past and looks to the future as she returns to her current home berlin
1: empire of dreams podcast
2: Local time in Calgary is 3:01. Please remain seated with your seatbelt fastened and your bag of stone until the seatbelt sign has been turned off. Happy birthday, dear Happy birthday to you. I'm at my dad's 80th birthday party in Calgary. A city I grew up in located in Western Canada. Many people here I haven't seen since I was a teenager. At the party I sit next to a woman who's around 60 years old. She tells me something I will never forget. She said to me, isn't it interesting that just about everyone with Alzheimer's asks for the same thing? Take me home. I want to go home. During this visit to Calgary, I start watching the Netflix series Stranger Things. It takes place in the 80s, the time my friends Lori Joe, Doris and I hung out. Past and present collide. Where am I?
3: Nächste station...
2: I live in Berlin now. I was born in Malaysia. I lived in different places across Canada. And briefly lived in France at one time. How do other people think or feel about the idea of home? I asked my co producer, Maria Ponce, this question. So, Maria, You're from Mexico, but you lived in different places in Europe, and now you're in Berlin. What is home to you? In my experience, I think home for me is not just only a house or a town. It's the way one wants to live and who you are also sharing the moment and the place with. from a play called Leaving Ziller Valley by Julia Rosa Stockel. The play explores a personal quest for a safe harbor to feel purpose and belonging. I interview her on Skype. She's in a hotel room in Zurich, a fitting place as her play also takes place in various hotel rooms.
3: For me, home is something I create for a certain period or for a moment with people.
2: Stockel is from the Tyrol Valley of Austria, but also lives in Berlin. I asked her about the German concept of Heimat. It's not a term you can translate very easily.
3: I feel Heimat is a bigger concept that is more like a philosophical philosophical concept. Heimat is the place where you're born and where you belong. And that's who you are. It's how I always understood. Home is the moment. Bye-bye, arrived, dosvida! Adiós! Oh free does it so long, so long this year.
2: I think the answer to the question of home depends on where you are in life. I discovered a saying, which I believe is by the German writer Hermann Hesse. And I hope it's correct. One never reaches home, but wherever friendly paths intersect, the whole world looks like home for a time. hope you had a pleasant fight. I will look forward to seeing you again in your future. Once again, thank you, and good afternoon. Merci et bonne journée.
0: You can find Mihes Away and Empire of Dreams on iTunes, SoundCloud, and all your favorite podcast apps. Thanks for listening to this, the final episode of Serial Culture Season 1. We're going on hiatus in the coming weeks as I work on other podcasts in French and English. If you'd like to check out more of my work, follow me on Twitter at Laurie Martinez. That's L-O-R-Y-M-A-R-T, the number one, N-E-Z. Or check out my website, laurymartinez.com. This episode was written and produced by Laurie Martinez. Special thanks to my guests this week for sharing their amazing multicultural works with me. You can binge listen to all of Season 1 on SerialCulture.com and follow us on Facebook for updates. Merci et à bientôt!